You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Ephesians chapter 6. The Lord gave me a series of sermons a while back about being a Christian warrior. And uh, we have an adversary, and of course we know he is the devil. And we have armor, and we have six pieces of armor laid out for us here in Ephesians chapter 6. And I wish I had time to preach on all six pieces of armor, but uh, we might be here for a while if I did that. (laughs) So... With the Lord's help, I'd like to preach on just one piece of armor tonight. If you found your place in Ephesians chapter 6, would you stand to your feet as we read a portion out of God's holy and infallible inspired word tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, and let's begin reading in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore. You think the Lord wants us to take a stand? (laughs) I think I had read it about four times already. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly. As I ought to speak. Pastor, would you pray for us tonight? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to be here gathered around your word. And I pray that you would use the word tonight to get deeper into our hearts, to show us where we need to change. Yes, Lord. In the end, I pray that you would have this message to convince us and inspire us to stand as we ought to uh, as in the battle for, uh, for right. Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Yes. Lord, Brother Rochester. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You may be seated. You know, as I look back on my life, by the way, I'm a 57 model. We have any 57 models here tonight? (laughs) Good decade for cars anyway. (laughs) But as I look back, you know, I wish I could say that our country and our culture and our churches and our homes are better off than they were back in the 50s, but I can't say that tonight. You know, there's something about truth always uplifts the people. 
The Bible says in the Old Testament to buy the truth and sell it not. You want me to give you an investment tip? Buy all the truth you can <laughs> and hold. <laughs> buy and hold it because it's the greatest investment in all the world is the truth. And uh, I can remember a day, Pastor, when even lost people had respect for the Word of God. I'll just give you an example. Uh, I was saved when I was eight years old, and uh, I was saved at the Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Blacksburg, South Carolina. It was Cherokee Falls Road where we lived. And I'm going to pretend like this is a, this uh, subwoofer here is Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, all right? And uh, I can remember my, my mom and papa, the, my papa was a pastor back in the day, and, and uh, he was born in 1903, I think. And so uh, he could remember back a long ways. He remembered really how it used to be. <laughs> and they told stories about how they used to watch this, watch this uh, drunk man, this drunkard. You know, that's not politically correct. I know to say drunkard, but that's what the Bible calls him. <laughs> it's supposed to say alcoholic, right? But anyway, this drunkard was walking down the street, and uh, they would notice him every day when he, he would be on this side of the highway, Cherokee Falls Road. And he'd be walking on the same side of the street as the church until he got to the church property, and then he would do this. Wow. He'd walk across the street from the church, and he'd walk by the church. And then, Pastor, after he got by the church, then he would get back on this side of the road. Wow. You ever seen anybody do that? They, they saw him not just one time, but multiple times. Brother, he would be walking down the Cherokee Falls Road. When you get to Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, he'd cross the street. <laughs> He'd get over here on the other side of the street until he got past the church. And we got past the church, then he would come back over on this other side. Why do you think that drunk man was doing that? Anybody? He had respect for God's house. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's more hope for a man like that than a lot of religious people that I know. Because he at least had a little bit of fear in his heart and respected God's property. And boy, we don't see much of that anymore, do we? Even so-called Christians don't respect God's house <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> but boy, haven't times changed? You know, it seems like today the truth is what, whatever you might want to think. Uh, to other people, they say, well, we can just make it up, Pastor, as we go along. Still other people say there is no absolute truth. But I'm here to tell you tonight, there is absolute truth. Amen. This is it. Absolute truth. God's holy and inspired word. You know, Satan would like to cause you to doubt God's word. He started doing that a long time ago. Back in the Garden of Eden, he said, hath God said. Trying to cast doubt upon the authority of God's word. I want to ask you some questions tonight as we get started. Can you revise the truth? Can you edit the truth? Does the truth change as our world around us changes? No. You know, Satan is a liar. <laughs> I like to go on the record. Satan is a liar. <laughs> Jesus called him a liar in John chapter 8 and verse 44. And brother, if you don't watch, he'll hang one over on you. Have you ever observed how easy it is for Seemingly for people to, to believe a lie. Seems like people would rather believe a lie in our day. 
I mean, they'll, they'll climb a tree and believe a lie before they'll stand on the solid ground and believe the truth. <laughs> what causes people to want to believe a lie? Or may I ask, who causes people to want to believe a lie? It's Satan. It's Satan. He's the liar. He's the father of lies. Now, how are we going to stand against this onslaught of Satan who constantly tries to cause us to doubt God's word? Well, we need to put on this belt of truth. This belt of truth. Notice what it says again in verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. This must be a very important piece of armor because it's the very first one mentioned. You know, I think truth equals integrity. If you lack truth in your life, you're automatically going to lack integrity. You know, Paul was writing this epistle from a Roman prison. No doubt he's sitting in a prison cell, perhaps looking at a Roman soldier. He might even be chained to a Roman soldier. And he's looking them up and down. Pastor, he said, man, all this armor. I can get a spiritual lesson out of this. <laughs> and he had on a belt, not like this little skinny belt like I got. You know what this is? I'm a Baptist preacher, Brother Don. Got my brother, friend with me here tonight, Brother Don McCray. Brother Don, you know what this is? I'm a Baptist preacher, and I love to eat fried chicken. <laughs> you know what this belt is? It's just a fence around a chicken graveyard. <laughs> I put a lot in that, brother. Put a lot of chickens to rest in there. <clears throat> but I think Paul's not talking about a little skinny belt like I got. He's probably talking about a big old wide leather belt, sort of like the weightlifters, you know, they put on these big wide leather belts, probably more like that. And that Roman soldier, when he would go out into the battlefield, he would cinch up that belt real tight because it was the center of his strength. It was designed to protect his loins. He would use that belt to hang his weapons upon, such as a sword or, or maybe a dagger. And he would cinch up that belt real tight because, you see, when he would go into the battle, that belt, that girdle he had on, it held everything together. Without that belt cinched up tight, brother, everything would fall apart. Paul likens this belt to a spiritual belt that we ought to be wearing called the belt of truth it's the believer's integrity brother if you don't put on this belt of truth first it's the first piece of armor you need to put on if you're not armed with this belt of truth I'm going to tell you your life is going to fall apart we need to believe the truth <laughs> we need to love the truth we need to tell the truth know the truth live the truth preach the truth if you don't, your life is going to come apart. Let me give you a tip tonight. Do you want to be a strong Christian warrior for Jesus? Let me give you a tip. Come up a little bit closer. Never compromise the truth. <laughs> Never compromise the truth. Now, how can we know the truth? We've got to get into the book, right? The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, we need to know what God says. But then we need to also obey God's word. Now this is where the rubber meets the road. Pastor, I get so sick and tired of these 
liberal politicians that'll throw out a verse of scripture here and there. You hear them do that? You know, and you know good and well they're not about to live or obey the scriptures, but they'll throw one out of context out to try to support their liberal agenda. <laughs> Brother, it's one thing to know God's word. It's another thing entire to obey it. And then we need to be filled with the spirit of truth. Jesus said in John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. You know, the truth is like that secure belt on that soldier. It holds everything together. Without it, everything comes apart. It's the center, it's the foundation of our strength. We've got to have it. Now what does the truth do for the Christian warrior? Let me give you four things real quick tonight. First of all, the truth provides a foundation on which to build. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's turn over to Matthew's Gospel for a moment. Matthew's Gospel chapter 7. Let's see what our Lord Jesus said about this. It's a wonderful illustration He gives in Matthew chapter number 7. And notice what Jesus says in verse number 24. Jesus is my favorite preacher by the way. Oh, I like to get amens when I say that. Sometimes I'll say that in churches and nobody will even say amen. Jesus is the greatest of them all. <laughs> all the other heroes of the Bible pale in comparison to Jesus. Uh, you woke up, didn't you? <laughs> Therefore, he says in verse 24, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, okay, that's the word of God, right? When Jesus talks, you're listening to the word of God. Notice what he says next. And doeth them. There's that obedience we were talking about. He says, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. I believe that rock is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ who is the embodiment of the truth. He is the truth incarnate. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to see truth? Look at Jesus. <laughs> you want to follow truth? Follow Jesus. He is the truth. Notice what he says contrarywise in verse number 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. You know, Jesus could have stopped there. But I assure you, upon the authority of God's word, if you don't build on this rock, this truth that we're talking about, the word of God, if you don't build your life, if you don't build your business upon this, if you don't build your church, your home, your family, if you don't build it upon what thus saith the Lord, it's going to fall. But not only that, you're going to have a, an industrial strength fall. Notice what Jesus says, the last phrase. He says, and great, and great was the fall of it. May I say to you that the truth provides a foundation on which to build. I'll also like to add this comment that Jesus Christ, the living word, and this written word 
are the only source for absolute truth. That's it. What did Jesus say about this written word, by the way? Well, he said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 18, 37, he says, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Are you listening to Jesus tonight? Are you following him? The truth provides a foundation on which to build. Second of all, the truth provides freedom from bondage. Are you bound by sin tonight? Well, the truth can deliver you. John chapter 8, verse 34, uh, 32, Jesus says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know what the most common form of slavery in America today is? It's not what most people think. In fact, do you know what the most common form of slavery around the whole world is? It's slavery to sin. Slavery to sin. And it seems like our world doesn't get very upset if you're a drunkard like we were talking about a while ago. Just eat and drink and be merry and live it up. If it feels good, do it. That's the philosophy of our day. They don't care how much you wallow in sin by and large. But how do I know that slavery to sin is the most common form of slavery? Well, Jesus Christ said so. Jesus said in John 8, 34, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. But Jesus can deliver you from that. <laughs> Are you bound by sin tonight? <laughs> Jesus has the power to deliver you from the bondage the slavery of sin. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, Amen. Jesus is the only one who can do that. Right. <laughs> you know, there's so many ways that you can try to conquer your sin, Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, AA. <laughs> Boy, I know a power much greater than that Amen. is the cleansing power of the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Amen. Brother, he can deliver you from the power bondage of sin. Are you being dominated by sin tonight? Well, the Bible says you can be free from the domination of sin. Jesus said in John 8, 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Paul said, Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. The Bible says the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Jesus Christ and his word, I'll guarantee you, can deliver you from the bondage and from the power of sin. You know, on the other hand, the truth will deliver you, but error always debases us. Have you, have you ever seen where error ever picked anybody up? Error always takes us down. A powerful illustration can be found in a book called The Day America Told the Truth, written by a guy named James Patterson and Peter Kim. They used a survey technique that guaranteed the privacy and anonymity of the respondents, and they were able to document what Americans really believe and do. Would you like to find out? First, they found that there is no moral authority in America. Americans are making up their own moral codes, they said. Only 13% of us believe in all the Ten Commandments. 40% of us believe in five of the Ten Commandments. 
We choose which laws of God we believe in. There's absolutely no moral consensus in this country as there was in the 1950s when all our institutions commanded more respect. Second, they found Americans are not honest. Quote, lying has become an integral part of American culture, a trait of the American character. We lie and don't even think about it. We lie for no reason, they said. The authors estimate that 91% of us lie regularly. Hope you're not in that 91%. You say, well, lying don't, you know, just a little white lie or whatever, don't hurt anybody. It hurts you, brother. It hurts you. Third, marriage and family are no longer sacred institutions. While we still marry, we have lost faith in the institution of marriage. A third of married men and women confess to us that they've had at least one affair. 30% aren't really sure that they still love their spouse. Fourth, they found that the Protestant worth ethic is long gone from today's American workplace. Workers around America frankly admit that they spend more than 20% of their time at work totally goofing off. That amounts to a four-day work week across the nation. The authors conclude by suggesting that we have a new set of commandments for America. This is it. 77% of those surveys said, I don't see the point in observing the Sabbath. 74% said, I will steal from those who won't really miss it. 64% said, I will lie when it suits me, so long as it doesn't do any real damage. 53% said, I will cheat on my spouse. After all, given the chance, he or she will do the same. 50% of those surveys said I will procrastinate at work and do absolutely nothing about one full day in every five. They concluded with this statement. They say, we may say we are a nation that wants integrity, but apparently a majority of us lack it in our personal lives. That's sad, isn't it? The truth provides a foundation on which to build. The truth provides freedom from bondage. Thirdly tonight, I must hurry, the truth provides fitness for the battle. If you're going to get out on the battlefield for Jesus, you better be fit. <laughs> I'm talking spiritually, and I'm not talking about physically. You better be spiritually fit if you're going to fight this spiritual warfare. Paul talks about spiritual wickedness and high places, and the darkness, the rulers of darkness. Brother, you better be spiritually fit if you're going to go out and fight this battle. But if you're armed properly with the armor of God, you can stand the test. Matthew Henry's commentary states that this belt we're talking about girds on all other pieces of armor, and therefore it's the first one mentioned. You know, this Roman soldier, he went into battle with this belt. It held his scabbard. It held his sword. Did you notice our text talked about a spiritual sword? We have a sword also. It's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. God. Now how are you going to defeat Satan? You're not going to outsmart him. (laughs) You're going to defeat him with the word of God. Jesus our Lord even in the wilderness of temptation. Gone 40 days and nights without eating or drinking. The devil comes up to him and says turn that rock into a piece of bread. (laughs) What did our Lord do? He said it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The only way you're going to defeat Satan is with the Bible. He can't, he can't stand up to that. Give him the word. It's our spiritual sword. It's our only offensive weapon. It's the only weapon we need. The word of God. 1 Peter 1.13 compares this belt now with spiritual preparedness. He says in 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up, there's that word, gird up the loins of your mind, and be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think Jesus gives us what we need to know about being a fit soldier. In Luke chapter 12, verse 35, you don't have to turn there, but he talks about a working soldier or servant. He talks about a witnessing servant. He talks about a watching servant. He says in Luke chapter 12, verse 35, let your loins be girded about. I think that shows a working uh, soldier. And then he says, and your light's burning. I think that shows a witnessing soldier. Your light's burning. And then he said in verse 36, And ye yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. In verse 37 is what I want to get to. Jesus said, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. I think that's the formula, Pastor. If we want to be a... A soldier fit for the battle will be a working soldier, will be a witnessing soldier, and will be a watching soldier. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The last phrase says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. If you're watching for Jesus to come, you're going to live right. (laughs) And every man that hath this hope in him, the soon coming of our Lord. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Lastly tonight, we said the truth provides a foundation. The truth provides freedom from bondage. The truth provides fitness for the battle. Finally, the truth provides a footpath to blessing. Now, how many of you want to really be blessed of the Lord? Well, I'm afraid, Pastor, many times when we talk about blessings, we think about money in the bank, don't we? Or maybe a freezer full of T-bone steaks. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? But you know, the greatest, and don't get me wrong, those things are blessings. It's wonderful. Have a car, have a suit of clothes, shoes on my feet, food on my table. I thank God for that. But those aren't the greatest blessings. Did you know that? The greatest blessings of God are not material or financial or physical. The greatest blessings of God are spiritual. You see, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, it don't matter 
how good or ragged your clothes are. <laughs> I think about Lazarus who was laid at the rich man's gate full of sores. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. That was his health care plan. <laughs> that was the only comfort he had was the dogs came and licked his sores. It's about to change though. <laughs> he died. The Bible says a whole entourage of angels came down and gave him a personal escort into Abraham's bosom all the way to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says the rich man. Now, now Lazarus was laid at the rich man's gate and the Bible says he was just begging for crumbs that would fall from the rich man's table. The Bible says the rich man fared sumptuously every day and he had the finest linen to wear. He had money in the bank, no doubt. A lot of it. But the Bible says the rich man died and was buried. What's it say after that? And in hell he lift his eyes, being in torments. And he cried out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Just a, one drop of water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Now, who's the rich, real rich man in that story? <laughs> Which one would you rather be? I'd rather be Lazarus any day. Boy, that destroys that health and wealth gospel, don't it, brother? <laughs> That's why I say the greatest blessings of God are not physical. They're not financial. They're not material. The greatest blessings of God are spiritual. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He was a great ruler, teacher of the Jews, but Jesus knew his real problem. He needed to be saved. If you're not saved, I beg you to get saved. Trust Jesus. He died on that old rugged cross. Paid for your sins shed his blood for you and for me. And all you got to do is repent of sin, trust him by faith, receive him, the Bible says, and on authority of God's word, he'll save you. Amen. If you'll do that, if you'll trust him tonight. The truth provides a footpath to blessing. The psalmist said it's a light unto our path. Thank God it lights the sinner's path to Christ. It lights the believer's path to glory. It's also a lamp unto our feet. It helps us avoid danger. I know people who'd still be walking the earth if they just simply obeyed God's word. It would have kept them out of danger. It would have kept them out of trouble. You know, just having the ability to avoid dangerous situations is a tremendous defense. The truth helps us through the darkness of this world. It's a light for our next step. Maybe you're a young Christian. Maybe you're an older Christian that hasn't grown very much in the Lord. And you have a desire to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord. Let me give you some advice tonight. Do you have some light? Yes, you have some light from God's Word. You have a little bit of light at least. Obey the light that God has already given you. And then get into God's Word. Start studying God's Word. And you know what? 
if you're already obedient, he'll give you some more light. And you all start obeying that light and God will give you some more. That's the way it works. God will keep shedding his light stronger and stronger in your heart and in your life. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Proverbs 4.18 says, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. If you want to be blessed, get into God's word and obey it. And it'll provide a footpath to blessing. But what about those who are coming on behind us? Is any of y'all worried about the next generation? Are you worried about your kids? Are you worried about your grandkids? Who's going to pass the truth of God's word down to them? It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just a Sunday school teacher's job. Parent, it's your job primarily to get the truth to those kids. What are you furnishing them with? Another video game? That's not going to help them. Pass the truth of God's word. And I ain't talking about veggie tales either. I despise that junk. Well, I probably felt, I felt something there, Pastor. <laughs> David is more than a cucumber. He sure is. That's right. yeah. Goliath was more than a cabbage stalk. And brother, if you paint cartoons in your kid's mind, the Bible becomes a myth. It becomes a cartoon to them. The Bible's not a cartoon. The Bible is real accounts of real people that really happened and God used in this earth. (laughs) You better give them something that's real. The devil would like to insert something in the place of what's real. This is real. (laughs) I said this is the truth. It's the only thing that's going to help us, folks. It's the only thing that's going to set us free. What about blessing those who are coming on behind us? It'll provide a footpath for blessing to them as well. Paul said this, and I'll close. 2 Timothy 2, 2. Timothy was looking to Paul. Paul was his mentor. What did Paul tell Timothy? He said, in the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. As far as I'm concerned, that's the ministry. Just take God's word. You find a faithful man. (laughs) And you pump all the truth of God's word you can into that faithful man. And then that faithful man, he goes out and he finds another faithful man and he pumps all of the truth of God's word that he can into that faithful man. And then he does the same. And others also. That is the ministry. Are you pumping the truth into your kids, your grandkids? They're looking to us to give them something that'll help them. This will help them. I guarantee you, this will help them every time. Let's pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.